Well, good morning. It's good to see each one of you here this morning for our, our Sunday morning service. Having vacation Bible school all week, I thought, wow, maybe we should have all the boys sit on this side and all the ladies sit on this. No, we won't do that this morning. But it is good to have each one of you here. Would you stand with me, please? Turn to page number 20. Page number 20. We'll start out this morning with the chorus, My Tribute, page number 20. Let's sing it together a couple of times through this morning. To God be the glory. all the glory. Amen. Let's turn to page number 110 now. Page number 110. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We'll sing all three verses this morning as we begin. Page number 110. Sing it out on the first. For a thousand tongues to sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The glories of my God and Oh no, I thought it was one. 
Anyway, <laughs> the plan backfired, amen. Well, we have had a great week, amen, and uh, it's just been a blessing to see the, the kids piling in. Uh, man, things got crazy at the Penny Marts, amen, and uh, what a blessing that was. And it's sure been good to have uh, Brother Robert Collison and his family uh, here with us, and he has done a tremendous job all week uh, preaching uh, to these kids and, and giving the gospel. We've seen some call on the name of the Lord to be saved, and that's been a blessing, amen, and that's certainly... Uh, what it's all about. And so don't forget about just a couple of things I want to remind you of. Tonight, I want to invite you to come back uh, tonight. We are, we're not having a Bible study time at 6 o'clock. We're just going to have a VBS service tonight at 6.30. Uh, and it is kind of what we would call family night. We're inviting a lot of the moms and dads and guardians of those kids to come back because really we want them to get the gospel as well. And one of the things that I think would be really neat is that uh, all those kids and moms and dads would come in here and see a lot of all, us and smiling and welcoming them in. And so I want to invite you to come back uh, tonight and be a part of that. And then also wanted to mention this as well. Uh, this coming week is uh, the YouthCon at Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And so we have a group of young people going to that and so if your kids are going to that, make sure you're aware they're going to be heading out uh, Tuesday morning and coming back uh, Friday. But do be much in prayer uh, for that. Pray for the workers involved in that because they're going to be wiped out. Amen. VBS and YouthCon. Amen. So Brother Tim's going to be drinking a lot of energy drinks. Amen. And coffee and whatever he can have. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Sure glad you're here this morning. Good to have our missionaries to Japan home with us uh, this weekend. And so Brother Jack Parker, would you open us in prayer this morning? Amen. Would you remain standing? Turn to page 286. Page 286. If you're saved, you know the Lord is your Savior this morning. Say amen. amen. All right, we're going to sing Saved by the Blood. Page 286. All four verses this morning. Lift it up on the first. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransom from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Saved, saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. The angels rejoicing because it is done. A child of the Father, joint heir with the Son, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved, my sin 
on that chorus. Say, say, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Say, say, I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one all hail to the father all hail to the son all hail to the spirit the great three in one saved by the blood of the crucified one say say my sin all pardon, my guilt is all gone. Say, say, I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. 
You know, I couldn't help but notice, if you're saved this morning, we need to be smiling a lot more. We need to be singing, I mean, like belting this out this morning, all right? You know Christ as your Savior. You're only going to heaven for all eternity. We have a lot to be thankful for. When we sing the last verse, all hail to the Father, all hail to the Son, we need to be thanking Him for all He's done and giving Him all the glory. We're going to sing that last verse again. Sing it out from your heart. We're going to go acapella on that chorus. I mean, just belt it out this morning, all right? Let's give God the glory He deserves this morning, okay? Let's sing it. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, all hail to the Father, all hail to the Son, all hail to the Spirit, the great three in one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, say, say, my sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Save, save. I am saved by the blood of the crucified one. Aren't you thankful for that precious blood this morning? Amen. Brother Tim, come right ahead. As men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. He says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Brother John Ellis, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. There's not one single person ever that showed you as much love as Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross for you. Page 238. Page 238. Let's stand one last time together. And can it be? Page number 238. We'll sing all four verses this morning as our last song together. Lift it up with me on the first. And can it be that I should the Savior's blood died he for me who caused his 
That chorus a cappella. Amazing love, how can it be 
that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Jesus Christ died for everyone in this building this morning. Don't, know he, don't leave here without knowing Jesus as your Savior this morning. You may be seated. Great singing this morning. Just before the message, we're going to have Mrs. Watson come and sing this morning. Awesome stuff this morning. Praise the Lord. Well, what a blessing. God's so very good to us. And uh, I got to be honest with you this morning. I know the week has been very full and very busy. And so I was a little worried about uh, this morning 
and uh, people singing and uh, thought we were going to have to get Dale out uh, to maybe encourage us to sing out a little bit, have a competition between two sides again. And uh, I'm a big fan of Dale anyway, so uh, I don't, you know, if he shows up in the morning service, he's not going to, all right, but I'm just saying, I wouldn't be opposed to that, all right, so. Well, sure glad you're here, and do want to encourage you to uh, be back uh, tonight, and I forgot to mention this, and it's, I mean, this is, this is almost as important as preaching the gospel tonight, but after the service tonight, there will be some Andy's frozen custard available. Now, if that's not incentive to be at church tonight, I, I really, I don't, I don't know what. I was there last night, man. I was there, uh, la- glory, hallelujah. Anyways, so I got to focus, amen. Take your Bibles and let's stand in honor of God's Word this morning. And I want to invite you to turn to Matthew in chapter number 18 this morning in your Bibles. Uh, we normally are in the book of Romans on Sunday mornings, but just thought that maybe we would take a little breather uh, this morning and uh, just kind of maybe learn some things uh, here and so uh, Matthew chapter number 18 this morning, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. And the Bible says this, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now you understand they weren't looking to, for Him to refer to somebody else. They were going, Who is the greatest? In the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. I know that you and I are thinking, that's just crazy. But the truth of the matter is, I think we can relate. All right? And so notice what happens in verse number 2. And Jesus called a little child unto them, or unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be, be converted and become as little children... You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall... Now what's this word right here? Humble himself as this little child. The same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the way I feel about it this morning is this. Well, we spent all week hanging out with kids at vacation Bible school and teaching them that God is has a master plan for their life, but maybe we could learn some things from kids this morning. And we can learn how to be great in the kingdom of heaven. I think you, we, you and I get it this morning as the disciples here are discerning and arguing over who is the greatest. The Lord takes this little child and sets him in the midst of them to teach them that it's not a who, it's a what. In other words, it's, it's one that bears the characteristic of humility. It's a powerful reminder that God's economy is not our economy. If you want to be your best for God, then it's not about being a quote-unquote better you. It's about being less of you. It's about dying to self. It's about humility and, and brokenness because when you and I get to that place, see, see, that's when we're willing to follow Him and that's when we can be filled with Him, and that's when He can use us in a mighty, mighty way. Father, would you bless the preaching now? I think of the gospel that's going to be preached this morning. I pray that you would speak to hearts and draw men in their need to be saved, and certainly uh, some things that you are doing amongst us, and 
I just pray this morning that you would work in us as your people to have humility, to have brokenness before you so that we can be used of you. Would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. I, I guess it was probably a year ago from uh, this this past uh, February and uh, we were staying in a hotel in, in El Dorado, uh, Kansas there and I was getting ready to preach the youth rally there that Brother Ron Jones and Temple Baptist Church host and, and so we were there in the hotel room and this commercial for this fast food chain came on and it kept saying over and over again two for five, two for five, two for five. It was this two dollars $2 for five uh, deal and, and it just kept saying it over and over again and, and our Emily at the time was five and and in fact, she was she was sick at this time uh, as well, and she was there laying over in her bed, and, and we thought she was just kind of asleep. We didn't realize it or not, and all of a sudden, she just popped up, and she said, that ain't right. It's two, three, four, five. <laughs> and we just died. We just died laughing, you know, it was just out of the blue like that. It was two for five, two for five. She's like, that ain't right. It's two, three, four, five, and you know, she's been learning in Miss Alicia's class, right, and Anyways, I thought that was funny because it reminds us that kids see things a little differently than you and I do at times. Someone sat down with a group of children and asked them to give some advice and some of the responses they gave were actually, well, kind of helpful but kind of funny. One of them said this, don't let your mom brush your hair when she's mad at your dad. Pretty good advice, amen. I, I, I like this one too. It's probably a little boy that said this, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> Another child said this, you can't trust your dogs to watch your food. <laughs> That's true. Truth right there. And for the grandparents in the room, one of the kids said this, when you want something expensive, ask your grandparents. <laughs> That's what we tell our kids. Amen. That's... This is my personal favorite. One of the, one of the kids said this, Never try to baptize a cat. <laughs> Another one said this, When your dad is mad and asks, Do I look dumb? Don't answer that question. <laughs> and then last but certainly not least, one of the kids said this, Never tell your mom her diet is not working. <laughs> I say, amen. That's good advice for children and spouses. Amen. That's, now some of those do give us a chuckle and some of those some good life lessons, but, but here's the point. Most of the time we think of children as those that must be taught by us. But I would say this, there are those instances where you and I could learn some things from kids. And, and certainly that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing with the disciples in our text this morning. In fact, if you look at that verse number 1, it begins with this phrase, at the same time. And really that's a reference back to the previous passage that ends chapter Number 17, and if you don't know anything about that, it's where the Lord Jesus would pay the tribute tax at the temple that, that really He didn't have to pay. But He knew this, He knew that he didn't, want to be a, he didn't want to be a stumbling block and offend anyone. And so the idea is this, is that He humbled Himself and went ahead and paid for it. Now we know this, that, that Peter was there because Peter caught the fish that had the money in its mouth and, and all of those things. I wish we could pay our taxes like that today, amen. Uh, but but we, all, we know this, that so it's most likely that he got the message 
But by the time you get to our text here in chapter number 18, it is fairly obvious that the rest of the disciples did not get the message. They, they did not get the lesson. And so they are discussing here who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so the Lord Jesus, in verse number 2, He calls this, this little child unto Him, pro- probably around the age of, of 6 or 7, and sets them in the midst of them as a living illustration of the characteristic that really they were missing and they needed in their life, which is the characteristic of humility. And again, I think if we were honest with ourselves, I, I think we could be challenged with that as well uh, in, in our lives. Now, before we go too far in this, I, I think there's some things, and I just, just want to point this out to you. There, there's some things here that we need to observe and and, and maybe make clear on, for instance, this. I, I think this, when you're looking at this scene here with this little child, I, I think there's balance here when you consider children. In other words, though this child is serving as an example of humility and, 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 and brokenness or childlikeness, whatever the case may be, we also know this, that children can bear the characteristics of pride and stubbornness. Don't believe me, ask any nursery worker that's here this morning. They would agree with that. Certainly any parent, if you were involved with Vacation Bible School, you should be the loudest one this morning going, Amen to that. I uh, think of those boys on the boys' side. Mercy. Anyway, so, so here's the point, though. Though this child serves as an example or uh, of a characteristic that the disciples need needed in their life, the Lord Jesus is not saying here that that children are to be the authority in the home. No, no, sure, there are times where we can learn from our children, but at the same time, primarily, they are needing to be taught themselves. They are needing to be trained. They need to be led. They need to understand to, to obey. And the list goes on and on and on. So, so there is balance there. But, but also, there, there's something else here. And, and, and I would say this, there needs to be a balanced view of the disciples here as well. In other words, we could say this, on the negative side of this, on the negative side of this, I would think it would be this. I think it would be safe to say that we can conclude from the disciples that you can be right amongst the Lord Jesus Christ, but still be influenced by the culture around you. You you ever thought of that? I, I, I think it would be pretty obvious to you and me that when you have a group here discussing who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, that's not something that was influenced by the teaching and the preaching or even the, the life example of the, of the Savior. Well, come on, friend, he's meek and lowly in heart. Right? So, so we would understand that. I, I'd be, in fact, I would declare unto you that this is clearly a product of Pharisee. Maybe even we could say this, the Roman Empire. The, the culture in which the, the disciples grew up in. And, and, and the reason that I say that is because whether it was Pharisee or whether it was the Roman Empire, both were all about exalting self and climbing the ladder of success through pride in manipulation. And so no doubt, friend, this is not an influence of, of Jesus Christ. Though He was right there among them, it was rather an influence of the culture around them. Come on, friend, couldn't we say the same thing about us? Come on, friend, it's, listen, again, it's, it's no secret that we're living in a culture that is very much all about self. Self-identity and 
self-care and self-help. And I mean, listen, anything, almost every, everything and every message that is being pumped out by our culture right now is all about pride and self. And it's very easy for those things to bleed over into the lives of, of God's people. And, and I realize we would, we would never say something like this, but I would venture to say that it can oftentimes be seen in how we treat other people. Oh man, I got quiet on that one. Or even how we act oftentimes. The things that we say. The things that we do. And we're influenced. Listen, we can be right here in church. I mean, the disciples demonstrate that. That we can be right here in church and hearing about the humility and the compassion of our Lord Jesus time and time and time again. And understanding that He's our example and that we're to follow Him and that we're to live for Him and that we're to manifest that characteristic in our life. Yet, yet knowing that and hearing that over and over and over again, we are far more susceptible to those things out there than what we hear time and time again right here. Disciples show those things. That's, that's really the negative side of that. But here's something that's interesting. On the positive side of this, on the positive side of this, th this whole scene right here, because they are asking this question, it does, it does show us, you and me, how we can be great in the kingdom of God. Th this is what I think is interesting. And I don't know if you caught this or not. But did you ever notice this? That when they come to the Lord Jesus and, and they're going, who's, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The Lord Jesus never rebukes them on searching for who's the greatest. Rather, He shows them how. Did you catch that? So, so, I, so, so here's the thing. When I read that, part of me is going, oh, guys, come on. Probably because I relate. And it's convicting. I don't, see, you're more responsive when I say I relate. <laughs> but you relate too. But, but at the same time, li listen, there, there's a bit of a blessing here. Because they do bring it up. And we do begin to see some things here. And, and find, be, be in fact, I, I would say to you this, that, that, and, and this is what I wrote in my notes, and I want to I read it to you uh, just so I can be specific here. But, but, but I, I think that this, that... that uh, because of what He's done on the cross for us on Calvary, that there should be a desire in the hearts of God peop God's people to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Be be a fact, I, I would even say this, that it's important to point this out because we are in a day where there seems to be a, a, such a, a great spiritual, a great falling away from spiritual things. And, and, and so many of God's people are chasing after that which is temporal. But yet, here's these, these disciples, and they are seeking to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and what I'm trying to get across to you is this. Please catch this. Nowhere in the Bible is God ever pleased with pride, but nowhere is God ever pleased with spiritual apathy either. And I'm just saying to you, friend, that if He's died for us and and saved us with His blood, and given us eternal life, and He has done those things, if we've called upon Him, then I'm just saying to you, friend, that He deserves our whole heart. That He deserves that we would have this desire within us to want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. The problem is oftentimes how we go about it. 
And that's what the Lord Jesus is dealing with in this scene. So he sets a little, he sets a little child among them, and he begins to point out two things to them. Look at what he says in verse number three. He says this. He says, He said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, so here's, here's what I wrote down. All right, here's, you ready? Humility is necessary to be born into the kingdom of heaven. Let me say that again. Humility is necessary to be born into the kingdom of heaven. And now, now stay with me here, friend, because, because you got this is almost, at least this is what I wrote down. I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, I immediately think of what John or what Jesus told Nicodemus the Pharisee in John chapter 3. He said this, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that word, that phrase there, born again, it literally means born from above. It is the idea to have a spiritual birth, which Jesus then goes on to explain to Nicodemus when he says man is born of water, meaning physical birth, but then man must be born of the Spirit of God. So he must be born again, a spiritual birth. And and the reason that I'm pointing that out, please stay with me, is because our text shows us how that takes place. It says this, this word converted. He says this, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the word converted right there, it means this. It means to twist, to turn back, to reverse course. Has anybody ever seen me do this motion before? When I mention the word repentance, A change of mind, a change of heart that results in a change of course or a change of direction? Same idea. Same idea. In fact, and then he says this. He says you must be converted and then watch this. And become as little children. You understand what he's... This is speaking of a childlike faith. Simply taking God... At His Word and what He said to do about our sin and our soul. Come on, friends. This is the same gospel that Paul preached when he said he testified to the Jews and the Gentiles. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what he's saying right there. I'm just, listen, listen, but here's the point. It begins with humility. It begins when we realize we are sinners before God. And then we get, we are going to give an account of that sin in His judgment, but we also realize this, He loves you and me. Come on, friend, do you not understand this? That hell wasn't even created for you and me. Matthew's gospel is going to reveal that. Jesus is going to tell them that it wasn't. It was meant for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't created for us. And so in his great love, God sent his son to die for us and to raise again the third day. And so in our humility, in our repentance, when we realize all of those things and we turn from our sin and and come to Jesus Christ in faith, asking for forgiveness and to be our Savior, at that moment you are born again into the kingdom of God. You become a child of God. It's just, oh, come on. 
It's as simple as Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, I said with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Oh, come on. Preacher, we just hear this all the time. We heard it every day this week. Yeah, you're going to hear it again this morning. Yeah. But, but, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So this starts with humility and a brokenness. And then this, this decision within our heart and our soul to turn away from, from our sin and, and, and what we've been doing that's unpleasing unto God and to just simply call out to Jesus Christ by faith. That, that's how a person is saved? So then couldn't we conclude some things here? Like, like here's one. If, if it's humility and, and, and repentance and, and, and faith, and, and, and so all of this is based on the condition of the heart, well, then that means works can't save me. Well, that's right. <laughs> oh, I, I know, preacher, you preach on this all the time. Yeah, and I'm going to preach it again this morning. But that is consistent with Scriptures, isn't it? Isn't that what Paul told the church at Ephesus? For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Come on, friend, you and I have got to understand that ever since man sinned in the beginning in the garden, he's been trying to do it with his own works. I mean, listen, when, 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 when God gave one commandment to Adam and Eve and said, don't partake of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they'd done that and their eyes were opened and they were naked, the first thing that they did, they said this, we got to cover this up. And they put fig leaves on them. That was man's first attempt to redeem himself with his own work. And God showed up and declared that's not good enough. And he took, watch this, he took coats of skin, meaning animal skin, to cover them. That means this, that means this, excuse me, something died for their sin. Blood was shed. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sin. Something or someone must die in our place for our sin. And in the Old Testament, it was the spotless Lamb of God. And in the New Testament, it is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. But, but you understand, that same, that same rebellious, sinful nature, oh, it's still very much around today. And people start going, well, you know, preacher, I'm just going to start doing some good works in my life to make up for all the bad things that I've done. Well, let me, let me help you with that. There's no scales in heaven that when you get there, you know, and, and, and they're going to weigh your good against your bad. Because, listen, and, and here's the thing. Even, even if you tried that, it, it's not going to work. Because the Bible says this, that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That means this, you can't do enough good to cover up your bad. It's, it's all bad. All of sin and come short of, of the glory of God. And, and listen, and even man's religion today. Well, you know, preacher, I just need to get baptized. There's nothing magical about Kansas water. Definitely what comes out in that baptistry back there. I can tell you that, right? Just kidding, all right? We do try to make it warm. Sometimes we leave it cold. So, so you'll remember it. But there's nothing, listen, there's nothing magical about the water or the ceremony or anything. It doesn't save you. That's right. All it is is a symbol 
of supposedly what has already saved you, which is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's nothing magical. Listen, we, we partake of the Lord's Supper. That, 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 that unleavened bread and that fruit of the vine, it doesn't turn into the body, literal body and blood of Jesus. That is absolute nonsense and cannibalism. That's ungodly. That's, that's, that's belong. This, listen, the point is this. That is all man's made up religion and nonsense and his own works to redeem himself and well I got to get confirmed by this church and got to get a letter and, and, and I can put it in a plaque on my wall doesn't mean you're going to heaven at all friend none of those things will redeem you none of those things will, will give you eternal life it's why listen it's why the Lord Jesus said in John 14 6 he said I am the way and the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the father but by me Faith in me, repentance and faith in me. That's the only way man can be saved. We uh, were studying Baptist history this morning and we were looking at, at the lives of John and, and Charles Wesley and, and this was something that they had to come to the conclusion of. Listen to this. Both men had religion as clergymen in the Church of England. They were sprinkled on as babies, started the Holy Club in their training for ministry, lived piously, even sailed across the Atlantic to minister to the Indians in, in the state of Georgia, yet having no success and feeling incredibly empty on the inside. John Wesley even wrote in his own journal, uh, he said this, I went to America to convert Indians, but oh, who shall convert me? You know why? Because religion will still leave you feeling empty and miserable inside. It wasn't until 1738 that both men were truly born again. In, 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 in his book on Baptist history, and I read this this morning, Robert Sargent wrote of John and Charles Wesley, they had been seeking Christ through high standards of conduct, but found Him to be real only through faith in a moment of complete surrender. Humility. And no wonder we have the precious hymn, And Can It Be. Now listen, I got with Eric earlier this week and we planned all this out. No, we didn't. I looked down when, on the last song. I didn't even look at the order of service. I was just waiting to preach. And then I looked down and I went, huh. I showed Brother Eric when he sat down by me when Miss Anita was singing the, the special this morning. Listen, the amazing love. Uh, uh, and Can It Be. At the very bottom, you know who it was written by? Charles Wesley. And when he says this, that, that, what, what does he say? Uh, he says, my chains fell off. My heart was free. That, that's when he finally realized that all his religion and all his works wasn't going to save him. But until he humbled himself and repented and turned from who he was and all his works and everything he was trusted in and put his faith in Jesus Christ, that's when he got salvation. That's when he forgot for, when he got forgiveness of all his sins and a home in heaven, somebody say amen. amen. Religion will not save you, but Jesus Christ can. Amen. He sure can. And I'm telling you, works cannot save you. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing to note about this scene. Y'all okay? There's something else. If you look in Matthew chapter number 18 and verse number 3, and, and I want to point this out, though this discussion and lesson was between the Lord Jesus and His disciples, 
There is a reason why he starts with humility being necessary for the new birth. It's because not all the disciples had been born again. There's a young man there by the name of Judas Iscariot. You know what that shows? That's, 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 that's a powerful reminder that people can sit under the truth of the gospel time and time again, yet refuse to humble themselves and come to Jesus Christ the way God said. In fact, you can even get to the place where it's like Judas Iscariot and they're just going through the motions on the outside. But yet on the inside, they are missing that new birth and relationship with God. You know, my, my wife has that testimony. I said it a multitude of times. That, you know, I got, I got saved in 1996 and it was in 2002, I believe it was, that God called me to preach. And so in 2003, we moved to Springfield. And I think it was in January of 2004, we joined Berean Baptist Church and we started going to church there. And it was well into training for the ministry and things like that. And we were at an outdoor revival meeting and Natalie had been struggling. She'd made several professions of faith as a child, but really just never meant business with God. And I can remember sitting in that meeting, sitting in that uh, meeting and Brother Bill Marshall was preaching. He was preaching a message called... The joy of the Lord is witnessing. And during the invitation, Natalie leaned over and she was just bawling her eyes out and said, how can, I, how can I witness and tell people how to be saved when I don't even know if I'm saved? She said, what would you do, preacher? I said, well I, well, I looked at her and I said, woman, you know what you need to do. What, what else am I going to say? I can't do it. And so we went to the altar that, that night and I listened as my wife called upon the name of the Lord and got it nailed down. Nailed down truth of the matter is we've seen some of that here haven't we i'm just listening i'll never forget when brother terry randolph was here preaching our fall revival one year and preached that message on hell and i'm sitting back there in the foyer and and shelby dawson taps me on the shoulder and i turn around and she's crying and she goes preacher i got saved tonight and i went what she said yep faking it the whole time (laughs) just honest and she got saved but, but no, 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 I'm just telling you, to, you know, people like my wife, even Michelle, you'd have never known it on the outside. And I think of, I think of Miss Mary Parker and, and her walking out, I think it was like about a week later and saying, I came in a tear, but I'm leaving this morning a week. God saved. And I can remember this year some things happening. And I can remember Thursday morning going to the bank and getting something far richer when one of our deacons called me and goes, hey, pastor, you got a minute? And it was Brother Alan Quinlan. And he said, I just want to let you know, I called on the Lord this morning. Got saved. I went, what? Good thing I was already parked. I would have put her in the ditch, man. I mean, God's been a deacon in our church and parents on, faithful on the mission field, but he got it nailed down. And then about two weeks later, I'm sitting in my office and Miss Anna Quinlan comes in and goes, hey, pastor, you got a minute? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, I just want to let you know I got saved this morning. I went, what? New youth director's life is probably a good thing if you're going to be, you know, in the youth ministry, you should be saved. Please please listen to this. You you know why I'm bringing all that up? It's because this stuff still happens in our day and time. 
You, you can be in church and you can be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night and be lost and not be saved. And this is, this is what I love about this passage is that the Lord Jesus taking the moment here with His disciples to talk about salvation shows you and me He loved Judas Iscariot and wanted him to be saved. Just like he, wants, he loves you and wants you to be saved. But you need to listen to this. you you got to get to a place where you humble yourself and you quit caring about what everybody else thinks or whatever works you got, and you start caring about what God thinks. And I'll tell you this, and this is why one of the big reasons why this is important is because the devil will use the deception of, well, what is everybody going to think if you come forward? And here, here let, let me help you with this. I, I, I'll guarantee you this, you can rest assured this, they're going to rejoice that you got saved. But you you got to get to this place where you get humble and, and, and you, start think, you start being more concerned with what God thinks and where you're at with Him than what anybody else thinks. And you humble yourself and go, i got to get this nailed down. And you get it nailed down and you trust Christ as your Savior. Starts with humility. Starts with humility. I'm just saying humility. It's necessary. You're going to be born again in the family of God. You got to get over yourself and your sin and everything and drop all that stuff. Humble yourself and repent and come to Jesus Christ by faith and He'll save you right where you're at. But if you want to become great, you want to become great in the kingdom of God. Well, you got to have humility for that too. <laughs> See, I know all the same people are like, yeah, preach that humility to them lost people. Well, we need it too. We need it too. Look at, look at what he says. In verse number 4, see, and I'm almost done. Look, look at what he says. He says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. To be first is to be last. To be somebody is to be nobody. To be exalted is to be abased. To be big is to be small. To be famous is to be unknown. To be strong is to be weak. To be profound is to be simple. To be great is to be humble. God's economy is not your economy. But it starts with this humility. Because a humble child, listen to this, because a humble child will do two things. Number one, they will obey. They will follow their authorities and do what is required of them and do it with the right spirit and attitude. But two, they are teachable. They, 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 they are wanting their authorities to pour themselves into them and to lead them and to guide them and to help them and to influence them. And the point Christ is making here is this, is that that same childlike humility will result in those things in the disciples' lives, thus making them great in the kingdom of God. Humility does lead to obedience, doesn't it? Come on, and you, listen, you can't be great you, you understand? You can't be great in the kingdom of God if you're not willing to obey God and follow God. It's, it's just as simple as that. Not trying to be rude or ugly this morning, but I, I'm just telling that's true. And the people that are prideful and rebellious will be offended by that, but I'm just saying that's just the simple truth of the matter. You, you, you understand? Please, please get this. There are some things God requires of us and some things God says not to do after we've been saved. Come on, after you've been saved, I think it'd be good that, that you follow Christ in baptism. In fact, I'd even say this, you ought to have Baptist baptism. You ought to be a member of one of the Lord's churches, and as a member of one of the Lord's churches, you ought to attend it faithfully. 
Come on, you ought to be there Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and Sunday school and all of those things. You ought to be there for those things. And, and by the way, you ought to tie to it. And give to it. Give, give to faith promise missions to, through it. You ought to serve in it. Somebody say amen this morning. Come on. I'm not done yet, friend. Just stay with me this morning. I'm just telling you, those are things that God has required of us. And by the way, these are not up for debate. They're just not. These are things that follow after the pattern of the New Testament. You read, people were saved by grace through faith. Then they followed Christ in baptism. And then they served God in their local general or local visible assemblies called called churches, and this is exactly what we are supposed to do. But so long as you are following after this culture and wanting to debate these things or refusing to obey these things, you will not be great in the kingdom of God. But when you humble yourself and realize God has saved you and bought you with a price, and you make His Word the authority in your life, and you begin to follow Him in your life and do what He says, watch this, that's the moment you are stepping towards greatness in His kingdom. But here's the other thing. Wouldn't it be that it makes sense that humility, it puts us in a place where we can be filled with Him? Amen. I've got to be honest with you. You're not going to be great in your own power. You've got to be great in His power. It just seems to make sense because, because being filled with the Spirit of God is not you and me getting more of Him. You get all you're going to get of Him when you get saved. Being filled with His Spirit, please listen to this, is Him getting more of you. Amen. You know how that happens? Humility. Humility. I'm going to read just a few verses to you and then we'll be finished this morning, but I want you to listen to these. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite heart. Psalm 51, 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not. Despise. There's a whole lot of more verses we can read this morning. Because the Bible is saturated with trying to get across the point that if you want, if you want to be greatly used of God, then you got to get low first. You know, I'm a parent of four kids, three of which are now young adults. And the fourth one could be the Antichrist. I don't know. I don't, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. She's a sweetheart. I told her yesterday, we had a whole thing of strawberries, and I told her, I, had, I went over and ate one of them out of it, and she said, can I have a strawberry? And I said, sure, baby. I said, just don't eat the stem. You can, you can eat one. 
I wasn't even paying attention. And I got up and I came over to the, uh, the island and she had a red thing all the way around her face and there were five strawberries left in that container. <laughs> and I said, Emily, and she goes, I was hungry. <laughs> I, I hate it when parents video their kids being disobedient but I really wanted to video that one. I'm sorry. I'm, it was hard not to laugh. There are a lot of things that I've learned from my kids. But I think as a child of God, this is the greatest lesson Amen. you could ever learn. To just simply be humble and broken. You want to be saved this morning? Just get humble and broken. So, preacher, I want to be used of God. Good, we should. But it starts with humility and brokenness. Let's all stand.